Channel 14, we want to get right after the message today and, and get going here. And uh, we're going to read about uh, oh, several verses here and then get right into preaching. Now, I just want to say before we go, thank you for being here. Appreciate you being here. But I appreciate God being here. I, I walked into church this morning. I tell you what, it was a blessing. Just seeing people, shaking hands, saying, how you doing? I'm thankful for Sundays. I don't know about you, but I need Sundays. And we've come the first day of the week to give God the first day of the week. We've come to worship him. By the way, uh, we're not sure whether we've got all this work out yet or not, but in the Jubilee there is just uh, before Brother Jason and his family, Waltis, will be headed to Mexico. And we're looking at out here in the tabernacle, I'm, I'm talking to him about it, we're working on having a going away service, a sending service for Brother Jason and his family. And I want to say thank you to Sida and Josiah and all the people that had the little deal, little, well, I don't think it's a very little deal, for uh, uh, Desiree and the family going I didn't go there, but it, they, um, I just appreciate you doing that. You know, it's good to do things for people, be a blessing to people and help. And I know that encouraged them. But uh, be in prayer about this fall jubilee because uh, actually it may be the first foreign missionary this church has ever sent out. And, uh, if, and so anyway, we're going to have a special time out there during that jubilee before they leave. So be in prayer about that. All righty. Everybody at, at Judges 14 say amen. amen. Well, that wasn't too bad. And Samson went down to Timnath. And by the way, I don't know about tonight for sure, but I may preach on Nimrod as a foreshadow of the Antichrist. In the Old Testament, there's 13 foreshadows of the Antichrist. And, uh, and, and, and tonight I may preach on that. I ain't sure about it all, but boy, I'll tell you what, if I do preach on it, you might want to be here. It's pretty wild. All right, Judges 14. Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Hmm. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now, therefore, get her for me to wife. <laughs> he said, I found me a woman I want to marry. Uh, she was a Philistine. Then his father and his mother said unto him, Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then went Samson down, and his father's mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. Now, there's a, I, I'm just sure that this was a beautiful, beautiful location, the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And um, it says there, uh, roared against him. And uh, the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, Samson, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Now, boys, be sure that you're marrying the whole woman, not the dimple. Amen? <laughs> Samson got messed up with the dimple and wound up with the whole thing. I'll tell you what, I'm happy for all. You know, I come in here this morning. I, I'm going to tell you what. It's funny about church. There's more courting going on here at church than you can even know about. I'll say to my wife, I think so-and-so's kind of paying attention to you. Oh, Reggie, that's been going on for a long time. <laughs> she said, are you just now noticing that? I said, I guess so. 
But I come through here this morning, and there's, I don't know, 15 or 20 or 25 young men lined up against the wall, you know. And over here, there's about 15 or 20 or so young ladies. They're over here huddled all up, you know. And I'm thinking, they're all casting glances. And there's a lot of electricity going on here. But it's all right, amen. It's all right. God ordained marriage, amen. And enjoy yourself. Have a good time. Let the Lord lead you. And we want to encourage you in the Lord. Uh, Anyway, I don't know about all that, but you know. But it, it is funny to me. And I'm so glad for all the young people that are here. And I just tell you, we're praying for you that God will show you who you ought to marry and lead you in direction, give you grace in the journey and all that. And that's the sweetest thing in the world. And got two weddings coming up. And boy, I tell you what, we're, just, we're going to have a good time. I tell you, if you think I ain't going to give Caleb and, and her, if I, I am going to give them a rough time. He'll want out of here so bad. And then when Taylor and Susanna comes up, I mean, tell you what, I am letting her fly. Amen. I'm telling you. Anybody, they ain't got no more sense than to marry somebody from Iowa. I don't know. I mean, hey, <laughs> well, Samson was a young man here and he's looking for a wife. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's right. And uh, I tell you one thing, he wasn't looking for another Samson. Right. Right. Amen. 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 He said, well, Samson, he admit, well, I'll tell you one thing. Anyway, I'll get off of that junk. And after a time, verse number eight, he returned to take her. He turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. He killed his lion. And behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And he took thereof in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat. But he told them not, he told not them that he had taken the honey out of the carcass of the lion. So his father went down to the woman and Samson made their feast for so used the young men to do. I guess the young men used to cook. I don't know. They had a feast for that wedding anyway, man. Lord, help us preach today and help us preach in the joy of the Lord and the fire of God. I pray for the anointing, the unction of the Holy Ghost of God to preach a message, Lord, today that you've given us out of the Word of God. Be a help to these people, Lord. When they leave this church house, they've been helped and strengthened and encouraged today. But Lord, above everything, I pray that you'd be glorified in what we preach here today. I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to go down the road of life from here to the time you take us home, killing lions and eating honey. And God, I thank you for this wonderful story that you've inlaid here in Scripture, God. And what an encouragement it has been to me this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to preach a message today entitled, uh, the, uh, on the, uh, entitled eat, Killing Lions and Eating Honey. Killing Lions and Eating Honey. Uh, the Christian life, or at least I will say this Christian service, uh, if you're in Christian, I'm just going to say this. If you take your Christian life seriously, and you're not playing around and one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And you're 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 serious about your walk with God and you want to do something for God and you want to live for Jesus. And you want to stand the Christian life in that way is killing lions and eating honey. And I want to show that to you this morning. Now, I'm not going to spend time today on verse number four about him hooking up with this Philistine woman. By and large, that was wrong in the Bible. God said, don't marry them, the the, the heathen women there and stuff. But God had a purpose in allowing it to happen. And not not only that, but I'm not going to spend time on the the riddle that is given of the rest of the chapter 14. Uh, On the first thing there about him getting the Philistine, God says it and I accept his eternal word and his overriding purposes and things that I might, that may seem odd to me. 
uh, there's a lot about God in the Bible that I ain't wrapped my head around yet. Amen. Amen. Now on the riddle part, I would just say this. Never spend time on theological riddles. Uh, They want to make a riddle out of salvation. Salvation is not a riddle. Jesus died for you on the cross and shed his blood, was buried and rose again. That's the gospel. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, blood, and resurrection, God will save you. That's not a riddle. Believe. I'll tell you what, I'm glad whenever the Philippian jailer uh, came to Paul and said, what must I do to be saved? That Paul didn't go back and say, well, let me get my theological treaties out and pull it out of my pocket and read it to you for about 14 seconds and all kinds of mixed up stuff. People are going down the road that religions and cults make salvation a riddle. They don't know whether you're saved or not. Don't know how to be saved. Don't know whether you're, you know, they don't know whether I'm really going to go to heaven or not. How it's going to turn out. They've made it a riddle. And let me just say this too. If you're not careful, these theological and religious and philosophical and intellectual riddles, you'll wind up in hell. Salvation is simple. And the Bible warns us to stay away from anything that would take away from the simplicity that's in Christ. Now, the world wants to make salvation, repentance, and obedience a riddle. But I'm going to tell you right now, repentance isn't difficult to understand. Turn. And the old timers, you say, turn or burn. You say, well, I I can't repent. Well, I guarantee God can lead you to repentance. But what I do want to preach about this morning and proclaim is a beautiful, glorious, profitable truth that's inlaid. God, God inlays all through the Bible, inlays stories of the gospel and pictures of Jesus Christ and the ramifications and the manifold grace of God. He lays it with all and lays it within these stories. Uh, and especially here Samson and it's written for our learning and for our strengthening for the building of our faith. Now what we have here in the story Samson and his father and mother in this story are headed down to Timnab. And uh, he's Twitter pated. How many knows what Twitter pated is? That's when you see that girl you lose all your mind. You just kind of, you know, he's Twitter painted. That's uh, he just. And boys, be careful about getting Twitter painted. You, you lose your mind. Uh, you're all stuck up this morning. I don't know what's the matter with you. But anyway, he's Twitter painted over a woman, and he's love and lust struck. And uh, now he's walking down toward the Timnath Avenger, mom and dad. Now I don't know how this happened, but I do know something. Somewhere along that trail, he split off from mom and dad. And he took a little trail off by himself because his mom and dad did not know about him killing his lion. He evidently said, I want to go off down here by myself for a while. And I'm sure he was walking along thinking about this girl. Boy, I mean, he just think about this girl. He think about this girl. And oh, he just think about this girl. I mean, he said, you know, when I met Karen, I always think about that girl. Think about that girl. Think about that girl. Think about that girl. And all of a sudden, hey, was you able to do anything there, uh, uh, Joel, on that? But oh, that's okay. No problem. And all of a sudden, uh, the Bible says, out of this vineyard comes a lion, a young lion, roaring at him. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something. These are not fables. These are not little stories. This is a true happening. David killed a lion and a bear. In fact, he talks about grabbing its beard and so forth. You're talking about close combat. Now, listen to me. I've I've watched some videos of of lions attacking. And, man, I'm going to tell you what. They'll attack anything. I never saw anything like it. But the Bible said that the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson mightily and he rent him. He ripped that lion in two like he would a little kid, like a kid lamb, just ripped it in two. Now you're talking about power here and evidently didn't get a scratch on him and he killed him. Now here's what's odd to me. If I would have killed a lion with my bare hands, everybody in the United States would have known about it. I would have made sure that they would have known about it. I would have put it on Facebook and Twitter and anywhere I could get it. Amen. He didn't even tell his mom and daddy that he killed this lion. 
But can you imagine a lion roaring out, grabbing it, and he grabs that thing and tears it in two, kills it, and he goes on his way. Well, uh, later down the road, they go down to make all the arrangements for the wedding. And, uh, and uh, then he comes back there in the latter part, after a time in verse number eight, and he got to think about that lion. And he said, I think I'll go over where I killed that lion at and see, you know, go back. You know, how many ever went back to where you killed the big buck at? Have you ever done that? I've done that, you know. Go back here and kind of rehearse that thing, you know. He's kind of, he goes over there and he sees that. And you know what that thing? In the carcass of that lion, there was bees and honey. And the Bible said that Samson reached in there with his hands and got him a big old, I want to tell you something, man, that killed a lion, he ain't afraid of a bee. <laughs> but I could tell you some stories right here, but I won't. And he got him some honey and the Bible said he went on his way and he's eating that honey. And he got over to his mom and dad and gave them the honey. And he still didn't tell them where he got it from the story all about it. Now you say, Reggie, what's going on? What do you see in this story? Uh, what I, I see in here is number one is that Samson is a type of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me tell you about typology. You want to be careful about typology and foreshadows in the Bible. David is a picture of Christ when he's with Goliath, but he's not a picture of Christ when he's with Bathsheba. Right. So when you're doing foreshadows and typologies, don't press it past what the scripture does. But in this case right here, Samson is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And guess what he's doing? He's going after a Gentile bride. Yeah, that's why, that's why this is in the Bible. See, Christ came down to get a Gentile bride, the church. And, the, and of course, there are Jews in the church. And when he came down here, you know, before he ever got to the bride, can anybody tell me what he had to deal with? He had to deal with the devil at the cross. And the lion is a picture of how Christ dealt with Satan, the lion who goeth about roaring, as a roaring lion seeking to be made devour. Christ conquered the devil, the lion of hell, at the cross of Calvary. And out of that Calvary cross, out of that occurrence comes the honey that God gives you and I that we claim we're here to worship him about this morning. So it's a picture of Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 2.14, the Bible said about Jesus that through death, he destroyed him, Satan, that had the power of death. That lion, he had power of death. That is the devil. And Jesus Christ destroyed death, hell, and the grave for the believer and conquered Satan in that. And in Revelation 20.10, it tells us the doom of Satan that he'll be cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. It is a picture of what Jesus Christ did for you and I against the enemy of our soul at Calvary. And by the way, did you know the Bible said that it was through the Holy Spirit it was the Spirit of God that came upon Samson that enabled him to do that. The Bible said that Jesus offered himself through the Spirit, was raised from the dead by the Spirit. It's a perfect picture that what God does in and through our salvation, he does it by the Spirit of God. In fact, you and I, to be saved, are born again of the Spirit. And out of that victory, he provided honey later on. And I'll preach about that in a little while. Now, the second type, that's a, it's a picture of Jesus Christ. But the second picture is of the saved person, you. If you're saved, it's a picture of you and your life in Jesus Christ. Now, one thing I want you to get this morning. God does not want you just killing lions. And God doesn't want you just eating honey. God wants you to kill lions and eat honey. And if you get this off balance in your Christian life, you'll be messed up. If you eat too much honey, I mean, knows what the Bible said will happen to you. 
you'll vomit. You see, if you try to live your Christian life without battles, you're going to get weak and sickly. If you try to live your Christian life all time fighting the devil and never eating honey, you're going to get be a sour head, mad at everybody. You ain't going to be happy about nothing. You can't sing. You're so intense on your spiritual warfare that you're not good for nothing. <laughs> anyway, so first of all, we want to talk about killing lions. Did you know that when you're a Christian, the devil will meet you on the road of your journey toward heaven? He'll meet you in the trail. And how many's ever had the devil roar against you? You say, well, I ain't. Well, maybe you try to try serving God. You'll find out he'll come against you. The world would, what this world would destroy. Can I tell you something? I would have been destroyed years ago had not God kept me through the Lord Jesus Christ and mightily through the spirit of God kept me from, from the attacks of Satan. To be saved is to be a soldier. It's to, the Bible tells us to be, endure hardness as a good soldier. Can I just tell you something? That years ago, there's a major denomination in America that took out of their hymnals the song Onward Christian Soldiers and Am I a Soldier of the Cross? Because they didn't want to have anything that might have anything to do with violence. No, they don't mind Antifa tearing up town, but they don't want the church to sing Onward Christian Soldiers. Your old saints used to sing it in the church house, Onward Christian Soldiers, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? And they realized that becoming a Christian, we've told people that you getting saved is just a little tulip walk to heaven and you can just kind of tiptoe your way through the tulips all the way to glory land. No, it's not. And I want to tell you today, if you're here and lost, you're listening to me lost, and if you decide to get saved, you're going to confront battle with the devil. Amen. I'm telling you something. The Christian life is a battle with the devil. You better get that down in your heart. The Bible said we're to endure hardness as a good soldier. We're to fight the good fight of faith. We're to put on the whole armor of God. We're to stand and having done all stand. We're to fight the good fight of faith. And as I said, we're not, we're not, we're pilgrims and strangers and God wants us to understand that we're walking and marching through Emmanuel's land. The road is rough. Let me just tell you something. If God would have told me what I was going to go through in January of 1982 and told me what was down the road in my future, my life, and because of preaching the word of God, I'd tell you I'd run out of the back of that church, told Karen to load the truck and run to Alaska or somewhere. It's been nothing but a battle ever since I started. I, if, I, if, I, if I was to write a book on the battles that I've had from 1982 on, the first thing out there, I hadn't been preaching four or five weeks till I found out there's a woman in the church working against everything we was trying to do. Smile at you in church, but behind the door, backstabbing you. Boy, I want to tell you something. You talk about it, it, it's not an easy thing. If you're going to serve God, you get in your mind. Let me tell you something. A lot of preachers have got in their head that they're going to be the, they think that being a preacher is a most, most liked contest. They want to be the most liked contest in the community. <laughs> they think it's a contest of winning friends and influencing people. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a preacher, you stand for God, you serve God, this world is going to hate your guts. God said they would. Jesus said, marvel not if the world hates you. It hated me before it hated you. The best way to avoid that is don't preach nothing. Amen. I'm talking about soldiers. I told some folks yesterday, listen to me tight. There's a book called The Band of Soldiers. It's about the 106th Airborne in World War II. Started down here at Tacoa, Georgia and went all the way in uh, through D-Day and the jump in there. The parachute deal jumped in there. They went all the way to Hitler's deal. Uh, what That big high mountain plane. That's what, I mean, they had a journey. Market Garden, all of it. But there's something that really weird happened after D-Day and they got into Europe. 
And that is that the old men who started down there with the original 106th Airborne got to where they didn't want to get acquainted with any, now listen to me, didn't want to get acquainted with anybody, that the replacement guys. They lost 50% of their men on D-Day. Okay? And let me tell you what, they were losing their front men and constantly being replaced. And they got to where, Brother Michael, and you can, you can, you can hear them say this because they interviewed these men a few years ago. And they said this, we got to where we didn't want to know even the name of a replacement. Now hang on. In other words, guys that get killed and the army would say, we got to send in replacements and fill the ranks back up again. All right. They said, we don't even want to know these people. Why? Because they knew they'd be killed in a few days. They knew they might be mangled, might have their leg blowed off, might have their arm blowed off, might have their guts blown out. And he said, we've been hurt so much in the battle what hurts is to see your buddies. You've got a buddy. You've worked with him. You've fought with him. You've, you've suffered with him. And he's killed. It hurts. Yeah. You know what? I'm like that right now. Now I'll tell you something. This message may not be for you, but it is for me. Yeah. Because I have a tendency, brother, uh, to want to kill lions all the time. And, go, and I forget to go eat some honey. And here's what happens. You pastor the same church for 41 years and you see as many people come and go as I've seen and people that you've labored with and people that you've loved, people that you've been to the hospital with a dozen times, people that you've knelt on the floor prayed with and they come around and backstab you. You get hard. And when you, you listen to me, some of you new people, I want you to listen to me. I love you. But if you think I'm cold towards you and don't want to, don't, you know, I kind of keep my distance from you, I don't want to get, I, you have a tendency not to want to get hurt anymore. I don't want to get too close to these people because they may be gone in six months. I don't know what this will turn out to be. And if you're not careful, you get bitter and hard in your lion fighting. It's just a fact of Christian life. You just well to say amen right there. Amen. And it doesn't mean you've got to get mean. But those guys, it wasn't that they hated those replacements. They just didn't want to get hurt anymore by seeing love people that they love get slaughtered. And so they just kind of kept to themselves. And that can happen to you sitting in this church. It can happen to you in your life. You can fight the devil and you can have, and there, and there are people who've been hurt and wounded in churches. And they don't want to be, you know what people are going, they're kind of going in and they're going into churches and they're just kind of sitting back there and, and they just, I'm here, but I don't, I don't want to get involved. I want to get close to nobody because I've been hurt in church before and I don't want to get hurt anymore. Right. It's not that I don't love people. It's not that I don't love God. But I, I don't want to be hurt, so I don't want to get too close to anybody. Marriage situations can get like this. Yeah. Your marriage was a battle. You got hurt. You got wounded. And somebody hurts you bad, so now you're, you don't want to love people because the last time you poured your heart out, they stabbed you. And you don't want that to happen, so you pull back and you don't love anybody anymore. And you're careful to guard your heart. Now, you should be careful to guard your heart in some senses. But I'm saying to you this, the road is rough and rocky. If you're going to serve God, the road is rough. The hills are steep and they're slippery. The valleys are deep and dark. The giants come out against us. The deceivers, the liars, the thieves, the Judases hide along the way. Clouds of doubt and despair and despondency hover over you. The Ahabs and Jezebels and the Herods and the Pilots and the Balaams and the Kors and the Judases and the Gehazes and the Cains are waiting around the corner for you. 
Jason, it's not going to be a picnic. There is no if, if, I know you know better, but I've seen people get in the ministry thinking it's going to be, boy, this is what people really think I'm good. You know, I'm serving God and I've suffered this, sacrifice this. I'll tell you what I expect. I expect the devil to come after you like nobody's business because of what you're doing. That's what I expect. And I want to tell you something publicly, Mr. Church. I'm going to back you to the hilt. Amen. And if I had to, I'd run a rear jet to get you out of there if I had to. Because I don't look for it to be a picnic. Amen. I look for him to come around the corner and every unimaginable thing you can imagine Satan attack you with. Because you want to serve God. Right, I'm saying this to you. We're at war with this world system. It's King Lucifer. Our weapons are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. As I said, we're not tiptoeing through the tulips to heaven. We're not floating on a cruise ship to glory land. The old song says, am I a soldier of the cross? And it talks about, must I go, just act like everything's fine. The old timers used to say, if you bear no cross, you will win no crown. If you break no sweat, you will eat no sweet. If you fight no conflict, you will enjoy no conquest. To be saved is a soldier, number one. To be saved is to be a pilgrim and a stranger in enemy territory. And number three, our conflicts began early in our Christian life. Samson was young. David was young when the conflicts of battle started. And I want you kids to know something. The honest truth about you teenagers is the lion's going to come at you while you're still teenagers. He goes, the lion of lust and the lion of rebellion and all the lions out of hell will come at you and you just well expect it right now that you're in a battle for the very person you're going to be 20 or 30 years from now. And I'm saying this to you the Bible said it's good for man to bear the yoke in his youth. I started preaching and the battle has never stopped. The battle has never stopped. There'll be bitter and hateful brethren demonize you. Everything you've said yeah, oh, 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 I've got to stop and say this. So I put out a, a deal this week on um, uh, the, all the rules at Liberty Faith Church. I think it had 1,500 views the last time I checked. 13 or 14, 1,500 views. Everybody wanted to know what the rules around here was. You know, they've heard it. I said, there's two rules. Love God, love your brother. Really, one, love God. That'll take care of the rest of it. But if you love one another, that's the rules. Amen? And I'll tell you something. You don't have to have a bunch of rules if you love God and love each other. You don't have to have a bunch of rules. But I'm saying this to you, that a lot of times... If we're not careful, we're bitter and hateful and demonized people and so forth. And, I've, and I'll tell you this much. When you're in the fight, if you're not careful, you get hard. I've, I've been, I'll tell you what I remember when I started preaching. I'd preach against Catholicism. You say, Reggie, why did you preach against Catholicism? Because it's wrong. Amen. Leading people to hell. If you love them, you warn them. Preach against cults. And I'll tell you, I had people. I mean, I, you wouldn't believe the people I had. Reggie, why are you attacking them? I said, I'm not attacking them. I'm preaching what the Bible says about how to be saved. And if, somebody's been, if I know somebody's headed to a bridge this out and I don't say something, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. Has nothing to do with hating people. It has nothing to do with that. And by the way, by the way, the people that love people are people that warn people. Amen. And I've had jealous brethren, ungodly organizations. You want to make a country mad at you and you want to have a good old fight? Just preach against the Masonic Lodge. Try that in your local church. Amen. And I'm just saying something to you. that If you really battle, I'm telling you, it's going to get rough as a cob. I mean, I'm, I mean I've had everything you can imagine come at me. Now, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm just saying that the reality was and is that we are in a battle and we are fighting Satan every step of the way. I preach against sin and wickedness and ungodliness and preach against the government education system. And you know what? Now I'm, I'm like hated in this country because I'm not a big supporter of our local public schools. 
I'm going to tell you something right now. I can show you historically and factually how this country has been ruined by the conduit of public education as it sucks Christ and the Bible out of our lives. It made our churches weak. It made our churches worthless. And, the, and our country has went to hell. And by the way, if you're not studying what's going on with the Department of Education, don't try to tell me. But if you want to be popular, then you make sure to sign up with the local school superintendent. You make sure you go to all, this, all their stuff and be a good old buddy boy with them. And they'll make sure you're in good with them. Yeah. I'm just saying this to you. We just will get down to brass tacks about this thing. I'm not against teachers. My wife's a teacher. My grandma taught school for 20 years. I love teachers. What I despise is the, is the system that has robbed this nation of truth. Amen. And I am never going to apologize for that. Amen. Because the Bible said I'd have you wise concerning that which is good and simple concerning the <laughs> evil. God said don't you mingle your children with the heathen. Amen. Now listen. I preach against wrong music, liquor, last week, lying, crooked, being crooked, angry, adultery. And I'm a wicked sinner myself. I'm not preaching down my nose to somebody. I fight like a dog every week. My worst battles are with me. Amen. And by the way, you stand on the old King James Bible, you'll have a fight on your hands. Right. You sell out to God, speak out for God, take a stand, you watch people. <laughs> You're the lion will come after you. Not only that, but the conflicts are not only when you're young in the Lord, but they're terrible. Young lion roared against him. That lion, what was he doing? He meant to kill him. He meant to take him out. He wasn't playing games. It's serious business. But you say, Reggie, what happens? Well, it'll make you long for heaven. <laughs> they say, Lord, get me out of this hole. Our present fights are for our future good. Our terrors are for our teaching and our toughening. We're in a battle for our Bible. And I'm going to tell you something right now. If I died this afternoon, everybody in this church knows the house. I don't want nobody behind this pulpit without an authorized version. You step behind this pulpit without an authorized version, you get out immediately. I'm not having this congregation led astray by false Bibles. I'm for home and marriage. Amen. Amen. You say, why? Because the Bible is. We're in a battle for our children. We're in a battle for souls and the hearts and minds of people. You know, they'll talk about, well, he had a sexual encounter. No, it wasn't. It was, it was immorality. It was sin. I'll tell you the word holiness is hated in this country anymore. Holiness is, preachers are almost afraid to say holy. Holiness. Which means separated unto God. Apart from the world. Doesn't mean you're some super spiritual person. Doesn't mean you're better than anybody else. But it means where God says, hey, we're talking about loving God. Let me just tell you something. If ye love me, our Lord Jesus Christ said, obey my commandments. So the real deal is love. Because if I love him, I'll have an attitude to the Lord. I, found, I read this in the Bible. I've checked it out. I'm sure this is what you're teaching. I want to obey it. Amen. We're in a battle for our morals. We're in a battle for the mind and body and soul of us country. For our hearts. And we're in a battle for the church. For the nation. For truth and for liberty. 
The conflicts often come when they're least expected. If I was to go through and tell you illustration after illustration today of the attacks that I've had over the last 40 years and where I've had them and when I've had them, and I'm going to say something else this morning, talking about we got two rules here. I'm going to remind you of the 11th commandment. How many knows what the 11th commandment of this church is? You've got a problem with somebody in this church, don't you dare talk to them at this church property about that problem. Don't you say, well, I'm going to talk to him after church tonight. Yeah. Out in the parking lot. No, you're not. You get, you get home and do that. You do what the Bible said. You, if you've got a problem with somebody, you go to them alone. Amen. You go to them alone. You don't come up here like a spider waiting on them to get out of church. Right. I've been spider attacked. I wouldn't even lost count of the times I've been spider attacked out there in the foyer out in the parking lot. Yeah. Waiting on me to come out of church at Sunday night. Ruin the whole day. Right. Jump on you, start. I mean, literally, Karen and I have, honey, it's the truth. We've literally got in our vehicle and said, listen, just back off. This is not the place or time. And they just still barking at you when you're driving off. <laughs> That's craziness. You got, hey, and you'll have problems at church. You know what you need to do? Go to their house. Facts. Go to their house. If, they, if it's that big a deal to you, but the devil will be the one who tells you, well, go wait till church is overnight and go up and jump them. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. These kids don't need to hear you and somebody else fussing out here in the parking lot uh, when they went to, at the place they go to worship God at. And if you can show me in the Bible where you're supposed to have a knockdown drag out with somebody in church, I'll eat your dirty socks. Amen. Quit it. Amen. Take up an offering for that part. Amen. No, I'm, I'm just kidding you. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible said the conflicts come when we least expect them. And Samson's mind was on what? Romance. <laughs> he wasn't thinking about having a fight with the devil. And you'll be thinking about something good. I, I've told this a thousand times, but I, I walked. One morning I left my house. Jim, I was so happy in the Lord. I had a 1985 Ford truck that was just about brand new. Boy, and I thought I liked that truck. And God was blessing my life. And I was happy in the Lord. And I drove up here to Mountain Grove to a service station to get gas. And I wish I jumped out of my truck. And I was just happy in the Lord that day. And I walked through the door. And there's a preacher standing there. And he goes, Curly. Yeah. You're the worst thing that ever happened to Norwood. Oh. <laughs> Truth. The last thing in the world I was expecting was something like that. And he barked for about three minutes. If you didn't preach on adultery, you wouldn't have anything to preach on. You wouldn't know the gospel if it was in front of your face. And on and on he went. And I finally paid for my gas and left. And I mean, I cried going out and said, Lord. Now, again, hey, don't, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. Man, I'm glad I'm in the battle. Amen. Amen. It's been, I, I'm going to get to the honey here in a little bit. Okay. But I'm just saying that, you know what Jesus did? He, he tread the wine press alone. Now listen to me. You're going to get to a place in your battles with the devil. Where's Reggie when I needed him? He's cutting logs or something. You'll be at the hospital sick and dying. Where's Reggie? Where's the church folk at when I needed him the word? I mean, we're going through it. Nobody's called. Nobody sent a card. Nobody's brought any food. That put, nobody cares about that. Ain't nothing but a hypocrite hole up there. They always put on the dog like they love you. <laughs> and when I needed them the worst, ain't none of them been here, much less Reggie. 
Jesus tread the winepress alone. He's going to take you through times when it seems like nobody else cares. Only God. And he's going to get you to a place where if there's nobody but you and God, it's all right. Be all right. I'm talking about this is Christian living. You're going to serve God. You're going to fight lions. You're going to be in the lion killing business. Amen. By the way, without human help. And that brings me to verse number six. The Bible said that Samson had nothing in his hand. Hmm. You see, the weapons of our warfare are are not carnal. They're mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. And I'm going to tell you something. Prayer and this Bible and faith are your weapons. And standing and using the armor of Almighty God. It's not by might, the Bible said, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Victory is gained by the Lord. David knew this. He said, the battle is the Lord's. Victory is not in our hands. We're helpless. Satan don't care if you've got an AK-47. Right. Victory is not in your heels. He's probably faster runner than you are. Victory is in the word of God. Amen. Amen. The battle is the Lord. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 5 that our faith is the victory. Believe God no matter what's going on. You talk about men that did it. Abraham, Moses, David, Daniel, the three Hebrew children. Yes, a sure part of of true Christianity and the servant of the Lord is killing lions. And I want to admit to this church today and you pray for me because... I realized this week, and the Lord put on my heart, I, I don't think I've preached this message in 35 years. I think it's been about 35 years since I preached this message. And the Lord brought this thing to my mind, and I was out there on my patio, on the patio table. And Brother Jason, I was studying, and it's like, Lord said, Reggie, you're the one that needs this. You've been so wrapped up killing lions. It's time for you to eat a little honey. And I bowed my head and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. And I want this church to know something. Yes, we're in a battle. Yes, it is intense. Yes, it is serious. Yes, it's for our very life of our families and our children and our nation. But God was ordained that on this journey, we're not just to be killing lions, but we're to eat some honey. We're to eat some sweet to get some strength, some blessings along the way. The believer's life has its honey. And I want to preach on that now and let you out. We're not always killing lions. To be honest with you, when I walked into church this morning, I come up bank and some people were walking through. And guys met me at the door. And it was just like honey dripping out of heaven. Amen. And I realized that God was trying to say, Reggie, here's what I'm talking about. You enjoy the honey of fellowship of these believers. The friendship and the love of the brethren. Honey represents, as I said, the sweet and the pure and the healthy and the good. Canaan land was a land of milk and honey. God wants his people to have honey. But it was... There's a lot of different kinds of honey. There's clover and so forth. And God has a lot of different kind of honey in his hive. Amen. But I want you to get this truth. Please get this truth. If you don't listen to anything else I say today, I want you to get this. The place that you're going to get honey is the place where the lion was killed. That's Calvary. 
and every sweet thing and pure thing and good thing that God has for you is going to come out of Calvary. It's going to come out of the places of your battles. And here's what I want to tell you. Don't you be afraid of your battles. Don't you let your battles tear you up. You embrace the battle. You embrace the lion attack. Because God's going to take you back to that place someday. And you're going to eat some of the sweetest spiritual honey you've ever ate in your life. As I said, in particular, this case, Samson's killing the lion was a picture of Calvary, where Jesus, by the Spirit, slayed the devil. And all the Christian's blessings are found at Calvary. I want to give you a few things of the honey that God has given me. First of all, there's the honey of salvation. Amen. Boy, I'll tell you what, when I dipped my hand in Calvary and found the honey of salvation... That old song says, saved, saved. Another song, at years I spent in vanity and pride, carried not my Lord and died at Calvary, at Calvary. I'll tell you, when the days are the darkest for you, I just want you to think about the blessing, the honey of salvation, how sweet it is to be saved. If you're not saved today, I want you to know something. It's sweet. It's sweet to be saved. There's the honey of God's mercy. This week I dealt with a man who had messed up pretty bad. And I tell you, I encouraged him. I gave him verses on the mercy of God. He texted me back and he told me, he said, Reggie, God's helping me. And I'm telling you something. When, I, I'm so glad for God's mercy. It's new every morning. I was reading Psalms 136 this week. And his mercy is new every morning. His mercy endureth forever. David said, I hope in his mercy. Can I tell you something? Mercy is sweet. You know what I want written on my tombstone if I have one? He was forgiven. Amen. That's all I want. The honey of grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The honey of cleansing. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The honey of washing. The old song says, are you washed in the blood of the lamb? Isn't it sweet to be cleansed? Isn't it sweet to have mercy? Isn't it sweet to have the grace of God? The honey of forgiveness. Boy, I'm glad God, I, I can have God's forgiveness and his mercy. And there's the honey of love. The honey of love. We know that we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. I want to tell you something this morning. I say it again. I don't know what God did for me this morning. I walked into church. It just seemed like that just honey was flowing everywhere. And I, I, I know I may not be doing a good job bringing this cross, but it means everything to me. And I want you to know something. I'm dipping my hand in the honey. Amen. Amen. The honey of God's love. That little song says, the love of God. The love of God. What honey it is to know that God loves me. I am so glad that my Father in heaven loves me, even me. Then there's the honey of the peace with God. I ain't going to have, I'll never have peace with this world. Have you ever wondered, where's the peace? Where's the peace? There ain't no peace in this world. But there's peace with God. There's the peace of God. And I'm going to tell you, that's good honey out of heaven. Then there's the peace of joy. The honey of joy. The honey of joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. I'm glad there's some honey pouring out of heaven. Amen. It's got some joy in it. I'm glad for the honey of justification. The honey of reconciliation. The honey of redemption. Fanny Crosby wrote, redeemed how I love to proclaim it redeemed. Man, I'm telling you something. You talk about honey, knowing that I've been bought and purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Then there's the honey of glorification. Someday I'm going to have a new body. 
The old song says, I'll have a new body. Amen. Think about that. The honey. I think everybody's dead. Everybody dead. Everybody tired, hot. I'm hot. Anybody getting anything yeah. at all? Because if you ain't, I'm going to shut up and go home and eat honey. <laughs> There's the honey of being a child of God. Today is my daddy's birthday. <coughs> I wish somebody told me that it doesn't get any better. That you're missing more. I got so tickled, I hope y'all, I don't want to bore you with this, but my mom was telling me this morning, I said, Mom, how'd you live when dad was in the Navy? She said, well, if I'm not mistaken, he made $60 a month. And he had that sent to me. And she said, I lived off of his Navy check. She was telling me some things about her and dad when they first got married. And I did not know this till this morning, but my dad and mom didn't even have a car when they were married. And when he ran for assessor, he borrowed grandpa's rig or somebody's rig. He didn't even have his own car. He didn't have the money to buy a car. He tied the fenders together with baling wire. They said they'd go down the road it, <laughs> do that. She said when he started assessing, that he borrowed my grandpa's car to go do his work because he didn't even have money to buy a car. Now I'm not. I'm just glad for heritage. Amen. And my mom told me about driving the cows up from Jack Holler up through the woods there to the, where they used to live, Danny, and how happy she was to have a little bit larger house. I'm, I'm thankful to be my daddy's boy, but I'm more thankful to be my heavenly father's son. I'm thankful for the honey of being an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm thankful for the honey of eternal life. Amen. I'm thankful for the honey of a home beyond this world. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go away to prepare a place, I'll come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. I am thankful for the honey of hope. I just literally live on hope. And that's knowing that what God said he would do, he'll do. And I can trust it. I'm thankful for the honey of a new body someday. I'm getting up now and trying to wiggle around a while until something gets moving. Boy, you talking about, wouldn't it be wonderful to have a new glorified body? I'm thankful for the honey of a new heaven, a new earth, where dwells righteousness. I'm telling you, you talk about, I'm going to eat the honey of reigning with him. We're going to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. Is this not honey? Yeah. I want to thank God for the honey of his word. I reach my hand, spiritual hand in the word of God and pull out a big old honeycomb and eat that word. Man, it's sweet to my heart. Amen. I'm thankful for the honey of truth, the honey of the word of God. I'm thankful for my Lord Jesus Christ. It's the, the old song said, the sweetest name I know. I'm thankful 
for having a heavenly father. I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit within me and the honey of no more curse, no more death, no more tears, no more pain, no more crying, and no more sorrow and no more separation. If that's not honey from heaven, I don't know what is. We're killing lions and we're eating honey. And we need to make sure we're doing some both. Samson did something with his honey. What did he do with his honey? He shared it with other people. <laughs> this week when you go out, can you share some honey with other people? Now I'm going to tell you, what, what, old Spurgeon said this. He said, some Christians seem to be grafted to a crab apple stump. <laughs> I'm going to close with this. I was sitting out there in my patio and man, oh man, oh man, was I ever having time. Oh, bless God, boy, I like this message. Oh boy, I'm, I'm enjoying this message. I mean, I just had me and the Lord right there early in the morning. Sun wasn't even just barely see good. I just had me a wonderful time. And then the Holy Ghost walked up to me and said, don't you think it's time for you was eating some honey? I said, yeah, Lord, I want to eat some honey. And he said, Reggie, Samson shared the sweetness with other people. I'm going to ask you a question, Reggie. If I was to ask all the people up here at church, how sweet are you, what would they say? <laughs> now, God didn't boom it out of heaven. But he kind of informed me of something. I got a telegraph from heaven. You're not very sweet. Now we're going to take a vote. How many here thinks Karen's sweet? Oh, my land, look at that. Well, you ought to have to live with her like I do. She is sweet. Now we're not voting on Reggie. Because I know how the vote would go. You did if you raised your hand, you'd have to lie. Now I'm gonna be let, let, let's get honest about something. Here's what God did with me in this message. God said, Reggie, you're geared to fight lions. That's the way you're geared. And I made you that way. But Reggie, that's not all I want you doing. I want you to eat the honey that comes out of the carcass. And I want you to sweeten your life up. And Reggie, I want you to be sweet to those people up there at church. <laughs> I said, but Lord, that's hard. <laughs> now I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you pray with me this morning? Now some of you are sweet. Now I'm going to ask you a question. If, if the Lord was, are you sweet? Have you been eating honey? Would your wife or spouse say, I live with the sweetest person? We will take a little example of this. Sister Sheila. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm backing out of that situation. <laughs> but I want to ask y'all a question in all honesty. Are we sweet? How many things that Christians should be sweet? Let's vote on that. How many things Christian I'll be sweet? Hmm. Well, how many thinks you could be sweeter? All right. Everybody got the message? Everybody ready to go home? All righty.
Everybody but Don Zinn can go home. Okay. <laughs> that little girl said, okay. No, here's what I want to tell you. Here's the conviction God brought to me. Reggie, it's fine to kill lions. I want you to take a stand. I, don't, I, I want you fighting the devil. But Reggie, don't get so high, sour and hard that you can't be sweet to people. Is that, is that good enough? Does that work? How many of you kids want your mom and dad to be sweeter? <laughs> you know something? My dad, it's his birthday. And I want to tell you something. You ain't never got a whooping from him. You ain't had one. But he was sweet. Hannah, was he not? God just broke my heart. Reggie, be sweeter. Love those teenage kids up there. Be sweet to them. Amen. Don't leave them with a memory of just lion killer. <laughs> Be sweet. So let's just bow our heads, stand together. I'm going to ask you to just pray. Lord, would you help me be sweeter? Eat a little honey. We're called to fight and do hardness, but God knows we need to go back to Calvary and eat the honey. So I'm going to ask you right now to pray with me that God would make us both killers of lions and eaters of honey. We need both. Father in heaven, we come before you today. We thank you for this wonderful story that you've recorded in the Bible. And that wonderful truth, Lord, of it, a picture of the Christian's life. And God, it's a struggle a lot of times and the devil fights us within, without. All kinds of seem like, Lord, just battles, 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 battles. But Lord, I want to thank you that you brought to my mind and reminded me that we're not always to be battling. That we need to stop and enjoy the honey of God. And Lord, I tell you what, I pray that you'll help me to see the honey every day. And to eat of the honey. And Lord, to be sweet to people. God, I tell you what, it just seemed like my spirit's just been grouchy and irritable. And Lord, I tell you, it ain't no good. And I thank you for dealing with me about it. And I pray that you'd sweeten my spirit up. And I pray, Lord, you'd help me to always fight. But I pray you'd help me to be sweet to people. And realize who I'm fighting against. Not flesh and blood. Oh, God, I pray in this church that when visitors come through this door, they'd sense the sweetness of the Lord. God, I tell you, we need this. And I tell you, Lord, I know I need it. And I just pray you bless this church that we would eat the honey of heaven out of Calvary. And Lord, all the honey that comes to our lives through what Jesus did. Dear God, I pray today if there's folks listening to me right now that are not saved, Oh, God, deal with them. Draw them to your son. Make them see their need of Jesus Christ and the danger of rejecting him. 
But Lord, I pray they'd see his love. And I pray, Lord, they'd see the sweetness of the Lord. Lord, you said in your word, taste and see that the Lord is good. Lord, you are good, and I thank you for it. Bless these people now, Lord, as they pray. God, I pray the sweetness of the Lord would be in our marriages and our homes and our families, even, Lord, the places where we work. And God, I pray that children growing up in this church would know of the sweetness of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.